ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's your boy, Tony, coming at you, well, not live, but somewhat live with another episode from my room of Time Out with Tony, you know how I be, oh, anyways, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we are back at it again with another episode of Time Out with Tony, this time, ladies and gentlemen, episode 12, alright, so, this is a topic that I've been really, really wanting to get into, Mostly because I have a good knowledge of it, because you know it plagues my com- it plagues it plagues my people. It's a disease that plagues my people, and and whatnot. So um, you're still like, what the fuck is this kid talking about? I'm talking about Mexican drug cartels, dude. Yeah. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be taking a, a somewhat unconventional dip into the Mexican drug cartels. Yeah. Um, why exactly am I doing this? Because technically this does count as uh, true crime. So, you know, if you want to come, uh, contest this shit, um, contest this topic, um, don't cause technically it does count as a true crime. So yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to be taking a look into the Mexican drug underworld. And we are going to be reviewing the life and criminal career of one of the key players in the Mexican drug trade during the 1980s. And I am talking about Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo. Now, the name is totally unfamiliar and I understand that, but you always hear about these other drug cartels attacking each other in today's news, like the Sinaloa cartel or... Uh, Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generacion or Juarez Cartel or simply a Tijuana Cartel. You hear all these cartels fighting each other. But where exactly did they come from? Where one day, did one day some crazy ass mastermind just wake up and say, hey, I'm going to make a cartel called the Sinaloa Cartel. No, 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 no. The way it works in the crime underworld is you're part of one entity, and if your boss goes to jail, you split into multiple entities. And that's kind of exactly what happened. You see, all these cartels, they all came from one place. And that's this guy's organization. Now, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm just getting way off, way into the topic right now. Um, before we get into today's episode, thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot, really, so keep it up, spread the word, and most of all... Follow us on whatever platform you may be, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, whatever it is, please, please, please follow us and follow us on our Instagram at timeout underscore with underscore Tony podcast. New episodes every Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, yeah, no. so I'm getting way off topic and I just want to get straight into this topic. So without further ado. Sit back, relax and crack open a beer soda and or water folks and well. Prepare to be intrigued because this is the life and criminal career of Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo. Now, in order to know a little bit about this guy, well, actually, no, I fuck it. I'm just going to straight up, you know, I just sit the fuck up and. Listen to the story. <clears throat> so, for those of you that do not know, 
Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, or as they commonly refer to him as El Jefe de Jefes, which is Spanish for the bosses of bosses, or El Padrino, which is Spanish for the Godfather, is a convicted Mexican drug lord kingpin and one of the founders of the Guadalajara cartel in the 1970s. Throughout the 80s, his organization controlled much of the drug trafficking in Mexico and corridors along the Mexican-United States border. If you smoked pot during the 80s, yeah, it probably came from this guy. In 1989, Felix Gallardo was arrested for putting in place the murder of a DEA agent named Enrique Camarena. He was serving his 40-year uh, sentence at the Atiplano Maximum Security Prison, but was then transferred to a medium security facility in 2014 due to his declining health. And as far as the history books go, that guy is still in prison. But how exactly did he merit a life sentence? Well, let's take a look. Felix Gallardo, born on January 8, 1946, in the outskirts of Culiacán, Sinaloa. Felix Gallardo, um, not much is known about his childhood, but it is known that he graduated from high school and even studied in uh, business in college. He would go on to take a job as a Mexican federal judicial police agent, where he would also work as a family bodyguard for the governor of, Sinal of the Sinaloa state, Leopoldo Sanchez Celis whose political connections would help Felix Gallardo build this drug trafficking organization later in the 80s. He was also the godfather of Sanchez Eli's son, Rodolfo. Now, how exactly did Felix Gallardo get his start in the drug trade? Well, while working as a federal judicial agent, uh, he began well working for these traffickers. One in specific being Pedro Aviles. Now, who exactly is this Pedro Aviles? Head of the Aviles criminal organization, of course. This guy is credited with pioneering the use of airplane, of airplanes. Um, sorry, I, mean, I said that wrong. He's known for pioneering the use of airplanes when it came to the drug trade. So, if they wondered how the weed was smuggled was smuggled into the U.S., it was through a plane. Anyways, um, yeah, no. So this guy, he was one of the pure, one of the first OGs, and a lot of the second generation traffickers like Ernesto Fonseca Carrillo, Rafael Caro Quintero, uh, Joaquin Guzman, a lot of those people, they would go on to say that they learned methods of smuggling through this obvious guy. Now. Does that mean Felix Gallardo also got a start here? Most likely. Um, mostly, most likely. Most likely did. And him, along with Rafael Caro Quintero and Ernesto Fonseca Carrillo, they would go on to take over Aviles' trafficking routes after he was killed in a police shootout sometime in 1978. With Aviles out of the picture and FBI or sorry, DEA, cracking down on Colombian cocaine shipments into Miami. This left the Colombian cartels with no no other option than to use Mexico as their, as their, trans, as their primary transshipment point. Now, this is where we meet Juan Mata Baste Ballesteros. Sorry, Ballesteros. Now, this guy, he was a, I think he was a Nicaraguan or I don't know. Point is, he was an arms trafficker back in the 80s. 
And he was also the Guadalajara cartel's primary connection to the Colombian cartels. He originally introduced Felix, Felix Gallardo's predecessor to Santiago Ocampo of the Cali cartel, one of the largest Colombian drug cartels at the time, of course, second place to the Medellin cartel, led by the infamous Pablo Escobar. All right. Yeah. So rather than taking these cash payments for their services, the Guadalajara cartel took a 50% cut of the cocaine they transported from Colombia. Now, this proved to be extremely profitable them, for them, with some estimating that the trafficking network then operated by Felix Gallardo, Ernesto Carrillo, and Rafael Caro Quintero was pulling in approximately $5 billion annually. And until the end of the 1980s, the Guadalajara cartel headed by Felix Gallardo, comprising of what is now known today as the Sinaloa, Tijuana, Juarez, and Pacifico Sur cartels, had nearly monopolized the illegal drug trade in Mexico. So again, if you snorted coke, smoked pot, or tried any illicit drug substances, they most likely came from these guys. Now, all was good, right? You know, pulling in $5 billion annually. Why the fuck is this dude in a prison cell? Well... It all went to shit when in 1980, a DEA special agent by the name of Enrique Kiki Camarena was assigned to the DEA's resident agency in Guadalajara. And working through a series of informants, Agent Camarena would go on to discover cartel marijuana plantations in the Mexican state of Zacatecas. The plantations were eventually raided and destroyed. However, the biggest strike to these guys came in 1984 when Mexican soldiers backed by helicopters destroyed an even larger 2,500 acre marijuana plantation known as Rancho Buffalo in the state of Chihuahua. Now this this field was known to be protected by Mexican DFS intelligence agents as part of Operation Godfather. Now for those of you that don't know what the fuck is the DFS? Well think of it as the Mexican CIA all right. Now these guys were first made first um the organization were first was first uh created not long after the second war world war I think to combat communism or some shit like that. Point is obviously they became uh they became very very corrupt and by the 80s they were basically muscle for the cartels. Anyways, thousands of farmers worked at the fields of Rancho Buffalo, and the annual production was later valued at $8 billion. All of this, which took place underneath with the knowledge of local police, politicians, and even the military. Now, obviously, the Mexican government did not like the fact that Camarena was beginning to expose their connections among the drug traffickers. Mexican law enforcement and high government high-ranking government officials within the Mexican uh, the Mexican Party, PRI. Now, this led Felix Gallardo, this led Felix Gallardo considered, sorry, <clears throat> I messed that up. Now, this led to Felix Gallardo considering Camarena to be a major threat in his cartel's operations throughout Mexico. And in response to all of this, it is said that Felix Gallardo reportedly ordered the kidnapping of Agent Camarena. On February 7th, 1985, in broad daylight, Jalisco police officers on the cartel's payroll kidnapped Camarena as he left the U.S. consulate in Guadalajara. His helicopter pilot, Alfredo Zavala Avelar, was kidnapped shortly afterward. 
and they were brought to a residence located at 881 Lope de Vega in the, uh, in the colony of Jardines del Bosque in the western section of the city of Guadalajara. The house at the time was owned by Rafael Caro Quintero. There, Camarena and the pilot were tortured and interrogated over a period of 30 hours. And then on February 9th, Camarena was tortured and murdered. Autopsy results indicated that he died when his skull was perforated with a drill. He was injected with adrenaline and a bunch of other drugs to be kept awake during his torture and interrogation. His body was then wrapped in plastic and found along with that of pilot Alfredo Zavala Velar in a shallow hole on a ranch in the state of Michoacan. The murder then prompted one of the largest DEA homicide investigations ever undertaken, Operation Leyenda. A special unit was dispatched to coordinate uh, to coordinate the investigation in Mexico, where officials were being implicated. Investigators identified Felix Gallardo and his two close associates, Ernesto Fonseca Carrillo and Rafael Caro Quintero, as the primary suspects in the kidnapping. And under pressure from the U.S., Fonseca and Quintero were apprehended. However, Felix Gallardo would go on to enjoy political protection. He would keep a low profile. And in 1987, he moved with his family to Guadalajara. His freedom didn't last, however. He was arrested in Mexico on April 8, 1989, and was charged by the authorities in Mexico and the U.S. with the kidnapping and murder of DEA agent Enrique Camarena, as well as racketeering, drug smuggling, and a bunch of other violent crimes. According to U.S. officials, Felix Gallardo also spent time at the Sinaloa governor's house as a guest, which, and, which Governor Antonio Toledo Coral has denied. When asked about his association with Felix Gallardo, Governor Toledo said, quote, he was unaware of any, uh, of any uh, outstanding arrest warrants against Felix Gallardo. The arrest of Felix Gallardo was the catalyst for exposing the widespread corruption at political and law enforcement levels in Mexico. Within days of his arrest, under pressure from media, several police officers, sorry, commanders, were either arrested or as many as 90 officers ended up deserting. Felix Gallardo's arrest also led to the dismantling of his cartel as key members of the Federation chose to withdraw and form their own cartels, relying on violence to claim various territories and trafficking uh, routes. The continuous disputes and conflict among the leaders would breed political, social, and even military chaos and eventually led to the never-ending Mexican drug war. Now, at first... Felix Gallardo was initially sentenced to 40 years in prison, and after serving 28, a 2017 retrial sentenced him to an additional 37 years. Just when you think it isn't funny. It can't get any more funny. <clears throat> Anyways, while incarcerated, Felix Gallardo still remained one of Mexico's major traffickers and maintained his organization via a mobile phone. Now, after the arrest, before all the key members were, were dismantled, Felix Gallardo chose to divide and trade up his cartel, uh, saying that it would, most, more, it would be more efficient and less likely to be brought down by law enforcement. Felix Gallardo then instructed his lawyer to convene the nation's top drug narcos in 1989 at a house in the resort of Acapulco, uh, yeah, Acapulco where he designated the plazas, or the territories. The Tijuana route ended up going to his nephews, the Ariano Felix brothers, led by Benjamin Ariano Felix and the ever-so-violent Ramon Ariano Felix. Ciudad Juarez route went, went 
to Vicario Fuentes' family and Rafael Aguilar. However, Aguilar was eventually murdered by the Carillo Fuentes family leader, Amado Carillo Fuentes, in the year 1993. The Sonora Corridor went to Rafael Caro Quintero's brother, Miguel Caro Quintero. Last but not least, you were left with the, sorry, he was left with the Pacific Coast Operations. Basically, the bottom of the bottom and not even recognized as an actual pact. You have the Pacific Coast Operations, which was run by Hector Eluero Palma Salazar and a then relatively unknown Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. Eventually, they were joined by the ever so silent Isamel El Mayo Zambada Garcia, who and these three would eventually form the Sinaloa cartel. Felix Gallardo was transferred to a high-security prison in 1993, where he lost any remaining control over the other drug lords. As he aged, Felix Gallardo complained that he lived in poor conditions while in jail, saying that he suffered from vertigo, deafness, lost an eye, blood circulation problems. It's said that he lives in a 240 by 440 centimeter cell, which he is not allowed to leave, even to use recreational areas, even to use the recreational area. In March of 2013, Felix Gallardo started a legal process to continue his prison sentence at home when he reached his 70th birthday, uh, which would be January 8th, 2016. However, on April 29th, 2014, a Mexican federal court denied Felix Gallardo's petition to be transferred from the, Mexi- from the maximum security prison to a medium security prison one. Then in December of 2014, federal authorities approved his request to transfer to a medium security prison in Guadalajara due to his declining health. In February of 2019, a court in Mexico City denied his request to complete the remainder of his sentence at home. The court then stated that Felix Felix Gallardo's defense did not provide them with a sufficient evidence to prove that his health issues were putting his life at risk. Then, last month, September of 2022, it was reported that Felix Gallardo was granted house arrest and would be moved on September 13, 2022. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador released a statement about his transfer stating, quote, I do not want anyone to suffer. I do not want anyone to be in jail, end quote. In 2008, the investigative journalist Diego Enrique Osorno was able to contact Felix through the latter's 13-year-old son. Felix Gallardo secretly wrote about his life and passed the handwritten note to Osorno. Sorry, or Osorno. Sorry, I messed that up. The memoirs include narrative about his arrest, the presentation before police, explains a bit of his family tree, jumping from one topic to another. Selection of the 35 pages were published in the Mexican magazine, um, Gato Pardo, with background, with background by the journalist. Now, as far as this guy's story goes, that's just pretty much it, dude. I mean, at one point, this guy had the whole world at his hands, you know, ruled an entire fucking police force, and it all went to shit when he ordered the arrest of Cameron. Um, Now, there are portrayals, somewhat accurate portrayals of Felix Gallardo, the biggest one being in Narcos, Mexico. He is the the central uh, the central focus uh the show during the first two seasons. And at the end of the season, obviously, you know, second season he, he gets captured and whatnot. So, you know, 
it's it's a it's a decent portrayal. I don't know if it's accurate because again, um, I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't there when these innocents were being killed. Um, so you know, I'm not very well aware in terms of accuracy. But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, that that's just kind of that's that's our take on the boss of bosses. Let me know what you guys think on this guy. Let me know what you guys think on Mexican drug cartels in general. Is this a topic you guys wish for me to review a little bit more? Let me know in the let me know by DMing us on our Instagram at timeout underscore with underscore Tony Podcast. New episodes every Wednesdays and Saturdays. That pretty much sums it up for today's episode, ladies and gents. Thank you guys all so much for listening. It means a lot, really. So, you know, spread the word. Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your brother, tell your sister, tell everybody. And you know, most of all, don't drink and drive. Thank you guys all so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys. Uh, next week. Thank you, and don't you get your eye. Okay, show's over. Please get out. Thank you.